welcome to my mommy's podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Furo Health, a leading provider of cold plunge tubs, including the one that I bought and have in my home. Don't get me wrong, I am not a fan of being cold. So why sit around in cold water? Well, for one thing, athletes have been using cold for recovery for years, and I recently decided that it would be a good idea to get back into powerlifting and running. But this tub is amazing. It was super easy to install because it plugs into a regular electrical outlet. It can be installed anywhere, and it keeps water consistently between 42 and 58 degrees without needing ice or filling. And while I originally started cold therapy for the physical benefits, I absolutely love the cognitive and mood benefits. I've noticed that I'm much more focused and productive on days when I get cold, and often happier too. If you've ever jumped into cold water and spontaneously laughed, this is likely from the release of mood-boosting neurotransmitters that cold exposure stimulates. You can check out the tub that I got and that I use daily by going to furohealth.com. That's F-U-R-O health.com. This podcast is brought to you by Thrive Market. You already know that I love them for so many reasons, but as we get close to the holidays and all of the cooking and celebrations that go with it, Thrive makes my life so much easier. We almost always have company for pretty much every holiday, so I pre-plan my meals and I order all the bulk and non-perishable ingredients that I'll need from Thrive, so that way I have them on hand when I need them. Their Thrive Market brand line has all of the staples I need at much better prices than I can find locally, and they make sure I'm always prepared to host a crowd. Here's a tip. I keep a bunch of their almond flour, pumpkin puree, and cinnamon on hand, so if we get invited to a holiday dinner or event, I can whip up a pumpkin pie in an hour or less and have it to take with us. You can check out those supplies and everything else they have, and save 25% on your first order by going to thrivemarket.com forward slash Katie. So thrivemarket.com forward slash K-A-T-I-E. Hello, and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com, and I am here today with a dear friend and one of my mentors, Mark Sisson, who is the New York Times bestselling author of The Recent Keto Reset Diet, and now also the bestselling author of the Keto Reset Diet Cookbook, which we're going to talk about today. He's also the author of The Primal Blueprint and several other books and founder of Primal Kitchen, which is one of my favorite brands of condiments and mayo, and they now have an unsweetened kitchen that is a hit in our house. He's also a former world-class endurance athlete, one of the leading voices in the evolutionary health movement, and you're probably familiar with his popular blog, marksdailyapple.com, which paved the way for many of us in the primal paleo and health worlds for to challenge conventional wisdom and all the diet and exercise principles and to really take personal responsibility for our health. And like I said, I credit him with being an early mentor and a dear friend. And Mark, welcome and thanks for being here. Always a pleasure, Katie. Great to talk to you. So, okay, there are dozens of questions I want to ask you, and I know that this is just going to end up being a fun um, conversation, and we'll get into some science. But first, I have to talk about your new cookbook. So you just wrote an entire cookbook dedicated to keto and Instant Pot, which I feel like is a huge hurdle, both of those things, and you did both of them. And there are a lot of moms listening who, like me, adore their Instant Pot and use it all the time. But you've created all these new recipes that are also keto, which is super popular right now. So first of all, as a fellow cookbook author, I have to know, how did you pull off so many delicious recipes? And second of all, I'd love to hear any Instant Pot tips you have after testing that many recipes. Okay. Well, the I mean, look, I have a, I have a great team. 
And I couldn't do what I do, and I couldn't crank out the content that I do these days without an awesome team of people who are um, great writers, great researchers, great chefs. You know, my secret to cookbooks is, and I, it's kind of a, a a little hidden hidden secret, but you know, I love to eat, right? I, I make no bones about that. I love to eat. I, I want every bite of food I put in my mouth to taste great, but I don't like to cook. So I have people, Katie, who cook for me. But in order for people to cook for me, I have to kind of tell them, you know, what to cook and how to prepare it. So that really is the is the genesis of my cookbooks is like, here's what I would like to have made for me. And if I have to make it myself, I'll make it myself. But if somebody else is going to do it, I want the instructions to be clear and concise and easy to follow. And I'm I'm fortunate to have not just uh, a daughter who's a foodie and an author and who loves to cook, uh, but I have housekeepers who are trained chefs. So I'm I'm in a kind of a unique little zone here where I'm surrounded by people who take really good care of me, which allows me this, you know, the, the, the benefit of kind of figuring out the foods I want to eat. And if I want to combine, uh, you know, cashew but nut butter with broccoli, I'll do it. If I want to combine cauliflower, you know, and, and pickles, I'll do it. Uh, so I've got a great, you know, a, a, a great starting platform with researchers and people who can, you know, make the kinds of foods that I think I want to eat make them taste really great. So that's that's my secret. I love that. That's a new life goal for me. But one thing I loved both about your um, the Keto Reset book and then also the cookbook is the focus on veggies. Because I feel like sometimes with keto, people get wrapped up in this bacon and cheese diet and they kind of forget about the veggies because certain vegetables do have a lot of carbohydrates. And in your book, especially, you have so many vegetable-centered recipes that are also keto that are also Instant Pot, like the cauliflower mac and cheese. My kids love that one. Um, but I want to just have you clarify that a little bit because I feel like veggies get forgotten when people talk about keto, and I know you have a really valuable insight on this. Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I read a lot on the social media these days about the carnivore diet, right? That's the new big thing that a, that a lot of guys are doing, a lot of gals are doing too, um, where you're just eating nothing but meat. And I'm like, whoa, that is that is so not where I'm at. And that is, look, I first of all, keto is about eating real food, and and it's mostly about cutting out refined sugars, refined grains, uh, refined sources of carbohydrate, um, and industrial seed oils. So getting rid of all those nasty oils, the soybean, the corn oil, the, so, so, the uh, canola, um, certain sunflower oils, and things like that. And it's getting down to real food. And real food means vegetables, lots of vegetables. Look, as much as I'm keto and I'm in and out of what I call the keto zone, I still make vegetables the main basis of my of my food plate and of my diet. I have a big ass salad just about every single day. That salad is a bowl full of, you know, colorful vegetables and I just make it keto by putting a primal kitchen dressing on uh, that's mostly avocado oil and then whatever spices and 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 herbs and things are 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 in there to add uh, flavor and healthfulness to it. Um, I might put a form of meat on that, but that's basically the most perfect keto meal I can think of. So now when you talk about putting, you know, veggies in a crock pot or in an instant pot, you know, and slow cooking them or fast cooking them and then putting some cheese in there or putting some nut butter in there or putting some, uh, you know, some other protein version in there, you are, you're creating a keto meal. And of course, the irony with all these meals is that if you presented this to any guest who was coming over for dinner one night and said uh, – and didn't tell them how you ate, they would still think it was one of the best dishes they ever had. 
right? Because it's so satisfying. It's so flavorful. It's so tasty. I mean, that's really the secret in keto is that all the, all the meals that we eat are really good, really flavorful and really f- uh, satisfying and filling. Yeah, exactly. And I think, like I said, I think that's the important clarification because I've seen some some versions of keto that I consider pretty dangerous when they're like the carnivore diet, which isn't, I guess, specifically keto or just people who are literally drinking cups and cups of cups of fat to hit certain keto metrics and macros and they're forgetting about the vegetables. And I'm just cringing from the gut bacteria side. Like we were made to eat a, a wide variety of different types of vegetables that have micronutrients and prebiotics that feed our gut. And um, so it's been worrisome to me. And I, I'm glad that you're the voice of reason in the world explaining that keto does include vegetables. And it's not just okay, it's important to eat those, especially with kids. Exactly. Not just okay, but important. And and people, again, they assume that vegetables have lots of carbs. But if you look at like three servings of, of broccoli, uh, there's like a you know eight grams of carbs in th- what you would consider three servings of broccoli, and then if you put butter on it or olive oil or avocado oil or some kind of a uh, what what I like to do is dip it in uh, Primal Kitchen garlic aioli mayo, you're not only you're sort of dispersing those carbs, which are already locked in a fibrous matrix. They're already a very low glycemic index carb, and you know when we talk about keto, one of the one of the the things that we use as a metric is how quickly insulin raises or rises in the bloodstream as a result of the meal you just ate because keto is, is at its essence an insulin lowering way of eating because through lowering insulin we then prompt our body to release fat from from storage and we burn it as a fuel and that's really the intention of all of this stuff uh, and so you know if you can control insulin through your uh, reduced intake of carbohydrate, that's really what keto is primarily concerned with. And if you can lock those carbohydrates into a fibrous matrix like we do in almost all colorful vegetables, uh, and furthermore, we you know put butter on or some form of fat that even sl- further slows down that release, we've accomplished not only the goal of, of – um, you know, total number of carbs because they're very low in carbs in general, but also uh, the timing of the release of those carbs into the bloodstream and their minimal, if any, effect on insulin. So, um, and then your to your point, the fact that that uh, you know we so many people overlook a healthy gut biome. They overlook the importance of these hundred trillion. So bacteria and fungus and and uh, things that, you know, yeast even that live within us and sort of have a a tremendous effect on not only how we digest food, but uh, how we um, access short chain fatty acids, um, neurotransmitter production, a whole host of things that happen as a result of a healthy gut biome. And if we don't feed that gut biome, the substrate, the food that that those little bacteria need to thrive – we are shortchanging our health, and that's one of the issues I have with this, with the carnivore diet, is that there's just not enough of this uh, soluble fiber, uh, or insoluble fiber for that matter, but mostly soluble fiber, that is that is going to um, provide that amount of substrate for those healthy gut bacteria. And of course, then we you know we can't overlook the fact that we, the micronutrients, the phytonutrients, the vitamins, the minerals, those other phytonutrients that we find in in vegetables and some fruit that we just don't find in an otherwise uh, vegetable-free eating strategy. So if you're keto and you're not eating relatively significant amounts of vegetables, you're, you know, I hate to say you're doing it wrong, but there's probably a better way to do it. 
Absolutely. That's my concern when I see the carnivore diet or even people who are just zero carb and they're eating only fats and small amounts of protein is just that when you look at things like, for instance, through the lens of the primal blueprint or what we understand about our history as humans, people were never in a situation where they for long periods of time avoided vegetables and micronutrients in that way. And if certainly if there were green vegetables or any kind of herbs or vegetables around, they were going to eat them. They weren't going to not eat them on purpose. And those things all provide micronutrients and biodiversity in our gut. And I just hear so much debate and I get so many questions and I'm sure you must too about, well, what about can people do, like can these types of people do keto and can kids do keto? And I feel like we need to reframe the conversation, which is not that we should, any of us should be necessarily tracking our blood ketone levels to see if we're in ketosis, especially not children. But um, should we be eating more whole foods that include vegetables, that include lower amounts of carbohydrates and no processed carbs? Absolutely. Like that's what we were made to do. The conversation doesn't have to be about tracking macros to the to the tiniest percentage or seeing if our blood levels line up, especially with any specialized segment of the population like children or pregnant women. But it should be about getting the focus back to real food which I know is a huge key for you as well. Oh, always has been. And and I think uh, you know what I what I'm li- I'm seeing now and I like in the vernacular is this uh, is a greater and greater use of the term keto. So keto isn't necessarily ketogenic or ketosis, but keto is sort of a way of eating that just optimizes the intake of these nutrients we just talked about, it, it, it reduces more than anything, reduces refined sugars, refined carbohydrates, refined grains, um, industrial seed oils, uh, certainly re- gets rid of um, you know, the trans fats and hydrogenated fats and oils and things like that, uh, replaces them with healthy fats and oils. And that's just the way we should be eating. So whether you call it keto or low carb or just real food, it still all kind of fits into this one little um, – nice uh, description of how we ought to be eating. And it's, as you said, it's not about chasing some high ketone level because this, the reason we're doing this isn't to have high ketones. The reason we're doing this is to feel better. Really, the reason we're doing this is to is to burn off, um, you know, unwanted body fat, to have more energy throughout the day, to access our cognition a little bit more elegantly, and have access to our memory, to sleep better, you know, to feel uh, more upbeat throughout the day, and all of these things happen as a result of the body reducing its reliance on carbohydrate and therefore glucose on a regular basis and becoming what I call metabolically efficient. So when you become metabolically efficient, you're able to drive energy from the fat on your body, the fat on the plate of food you just ate, the glucose in your bloodstream, the glycogen in your muscles, the carbohydrate on the plate of food you just eat. Um, Even to a certain extent, the ketones that your liver is making if you decide for whatever reason, to skip a meal or two or a day. And in any of these cases, you know, you don't go into a funk because because you didn't have a particular type of nutrient. You become so metabolically flexible and metabolically efficient that any type of food you eat makes you feel good and makes you feel like it obviously provided you eat it within this list of, you know, foods that we're that we're talking about being approved and exclude the crap that we just talked about excluding, um, it doesn't matter. It really, it doesn't matter what the macros are. So I live in what I call a keto zone. And for me, that means some days I might have, if I look back on the day and go, wow, I only had like 30 grams of carbs today, but I felt great 
I had a great workout. I, I cruised through the day. You know, I was it, everything was wonderful. And the next day, I might have 135 grams of carbs because I might have had a sweet potato and I might have had some, you know, whatever. And I feel just as good. And it, it's not like I get kicked out of ketosis, you know, and I have to spend four days in penance getting back into ketosis. No, I built the metabolic flexibility by this with this way of eating that more than anything is based on excluding the bad things and including the good things. That makes total sense. And I love that since the beginning, your approach has always been doing this in real life and convenience because it's no secret that real food can be harder and it can be more work. And we do have to be a little bit more cognizant of planning and that kind of thing. But I feel like now with tools like modern tools, like the Instant Pot, which, yeah, they didn't exist with our hunter gatherer um, ancestors, but I would bet that if it did, they would have used it. And it makes being able to get those nutrient dense foods so much easier because I'm not spending like four hours cooking dinner. I'm just throwing everything in an instant pot and spending 20 minutes cooking dinner. Um, I love that we're finally seeing the tide turn on this. And I feel like now really real food is actually a lot easier than it used to be. I love that. You know, and there are all these opportunities that the innovation in the marketplace like uh, Blue Apron and Sunbasket and things like that where you can you can kind of go halfway in between and you can have your real food sent to you and with the recipes all done and you can put those together and have the experience of making a meal without being a chef. When you guys with like Primal Kitchen, I mean, I can't remember when I started, I had to make my own mayo and aiolis from scratch all the time and you couldn't even find avocado oil in grocery stores where I lived back when I started. It was crazy. And, you know, that was, uh, if I do say so myself, it was sort of partly blind luck. But, you know, we spent a year in, um, in the R&D kitchen because I thought for the longest time that the, what makes the difference for people who are, you know, like I am, uh, you know, on the go and wanting to eat relatively quickly but want to eat well, uh, don't have hours to prepare a meal. It's the sauces and the dressings and the toppings and the methods of preparation that make real food exciting because, you know, you can just cook a steak every single night, but I mean, at some point you might want to put something on it or you can steam up broccoli if you want. And that's, you look, know, it's a very healthy meal, but it's not going to taste as great as if you put uh, some sort of garlic aioli mayo on top of it, or even just slather it in butter. Cauliflower rice, you can bruise it up with some uh, slivered almonds and some raisins and some curcumin and turmeric, whatever. I mean, there's all these, it's, it's, the way we prepare food that really keeps it exciting and interesting and makes it a sustainable way of eating. Because, you know, when you cut out all the pies and cakes and candies and cookies and crackers and, and sweetened beverages and breads and cereals and pasta, you know, you've, you've got – hey, let's, let's tell it like it is, Katie. You've got like five kinds of meat you're going to eat, right? Beef, pork, lamb, chicken, turkey. Um, maybe you'll have some elk if you're really – you know, wild and crazy. Name me 17 vegetables that you're going to eat next year. And and of those 17, there's probably four that you're going to eat 80% of the time, right? And then there's a couple of, of um, root tubers. You might have a potato, white potato. Um, you might have sweet potato. But it's like, okay, what else is there in the real food realm? It's how you prepare these things that gives you an infinite almost infinite variety of taste sensations and and ways to to eat them and maintain this excitement about how you eat. And so that's what really started this process of me going into my kitchen and going, okay, what can I what product can I make in a bottle that's a hundred percent like natural and healthful and taste great that I can add to what I've just cooked to make it more exciting. And over the over that first year we did 
barbecue sauces and we did ketchup and we did mustard and we did dressings. I mean, it had beautiful Thai coconut curry dressing and some stuff that I really love. But the first thing, the only thing at the end of one year that we could make commercially was this avocado oil-based mayonnaise. And, you know, we, we, we had this internal discussion like do we start a company with just one product like do are we are we that ballsy that we can try and and think that we're gonna have avocado oil-based mayonnaise be the one product that launches this company and you know we we so we launched it in 2015 in february of 2015 and lo and behold katie it was the holy grail of paleo because i didn't realize how many people like you had had you know just gone through that process of making mayonnaise and having it fail by the way half the time and then the other half it only you can only keep it in the refrigerator for three days without you know da- uh, putting your family in danger for for the raw eggs and stuff so so we made this mayo it took off everybody was like over the top finally a mayonnaise that we can not only you know, feel good about, but we can literally use with reckless abandon because the more of this healthy avocado oil-based organic egg mayonnaise, the more that we put on our burgers or, or dipped our fries in or made sauces with, the better the meal was for us. And so that really, it, it, and by the way, I don't know, you know, at what point in your paleo ancestral health journey, you decided, you know, that you were never going to be able to eat egg salad, tuna salad, chicken salad, potato salad ever again because there was no good mayo, right? But a lot of people thought, well, geez, I guess I got to give up that whole food group of salads. Well, no longer. Now, now those are all back on the menu. Uh, and that was one of the – so it was really a great revelation for me like, wow, this this was – this was a uh, you know a happy accident, but it turned out to be the kind of the holy grail of getting into this space of better for you sauces, dressings, toppings, and things that we've now become. You know, we we have like thirty five products now that we that we make. Yeah, and I think you're so right because if if we think back to meals that we really remember in our life, and especially ones cooked by chefs who really know what they're doing, it's the sauces and the spices that really set it apart. Like a, a chef who's talented in that, it makes the entire meal. And so now that the fact that I can just buy these things instead of like we talked about making mayo from scratch, which I did for years, it's awesome. Um, but I'm also going to uh, um, take the easy way out and throw some of the questions I've been getting at you. So I asked on social media this morning, um, does anybody have any questions about keto? And I got a ton of them. So I'm going to go through a list, um, specifically people asking, what about keto and pregnancy? Well, so here's the thing. Again, if we talk about chasing ketones and we talk about trying to get into ketosis, we have to take a step back and go, um, what is ketosis? Ketosis is by definition the excess of ketones in the body. And by that, I mean when you don't eat carbs and when you tell your brain you're not going to be getting much glucose for the foreseeable future, a brain that isn't used to that says, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? I guess we'll have to start creating these ketone bodies. And uh, so we'll, the liver will start making more ketones. But because the brain hasn't built the metabolic machinery to burn the ketones, and because the muscles aren't used to using the ketones yet, and they're still dependent on you burning sugar and glucose on the treadmill of the gym, then we produce an excess of ketones. And then what happens is we spill them out in the urine, in the breath. I mean, if you know any anybody who has eaten a standard American diet and then skips two meals, you can smell on their breath that they haven't eaten. Those are ketones. Those are excess ketones being excreted because the body doesn't know what to do with them. It hasn't built the metabolic machinery. So the first thing we do 
on anybody who wants to go true full-on keto for six weeks is we take them through a 21-day primal blueprint kind of a reset. We stair-step them down to where they're doing what I just said earlier, which is you just simply eliminate what we know to be the crap, right? The sugars, the sweetened beverages, the pies, the cakes, the candies, the pastas, the breads, the cereals, and you just start eating real food. And if you if if that's all you do, you're literally you're going to be hard pressed to take in more than say 100 110 grams of carbs a day. If all you're doing is eating lots of green vegetables and um, healthy fats, avocado, avocado oil, olive oil, um, and you know on your salads and, and and how you prepare your food, and then lean or clean sources of protein, so grass-fed meat, uh, wild fish if you can get it, and nobody is going to be hurt by that, including a pregnant mom, uh, you know, including a breastfeeding mom. Now, if we talk about should pregnant mothers go keto? I'm not going to go there because, because I'm not going to suggest that. Oh yeah, they'll everyone will benefit from keto, especially pregnant moms. You know, now you're eating for two. Now you're building a human being inside you, and I'd rather at that point a pregnant mom be more cognizant of taking in the enough nutrition for two, right? Enough enough of the micronutrients, enough of the vegetables, enough of the fiber to maintain that gut biome because that's going to be incredibly helpful and uh and necessary uh to maintain you know the uh, something as simple as as intestinal mobility and motility so your re- the regularity of your of your stools of your bowel movements uh these are all things that i think are important for uh pregnant moms to do so that it's not a, like i'm not saying you can't do it but it's not a time that unless you have like a really hands-on well-educated keto simpatico uh, OBGYN, that's not a time I would do it. Totally. I 100% echo that. And and realizing that important distinction of like, no, you should not be actively trying to restrict your carbohydrates to very small amounts when you're pregnant, for sure. But most doctors and midwives now are coming around and would agree, like you said, you should absolutely be focusing on nutrient-dense foods. You should get rid of the stuff like sugar and vegetable oils and processed food that don't serve you or your baby at all. And you should just really be focusing on that nutrient density, which is so important. And we now do know from the data, um, so I've taken some midwifery training, um, we know from the data that women getting enough protein, for instance, during pregnancy, it improves birth outcomes and it reduces the risk of preterm labor and gestational diabetes. So I think that like you said, using this as a framework, not as a strict dogma when you're pregnant or breastfeeding, but just as a framework to make sure you're getting enough nutrients and protein, that can be really helpful. But um, And of course, everyone should check with their practitioner, especially any pregnant or breastfeeding woman. Um, are there any, with breastfeeding, is it kind of the same story or does that um, oxaloacetate or however you say it, does that come into play? And are there any other considerations for breastfeeding moms? I mean, it's a little less, uh, I would be a little less restrictive for breastfeeding moms because, um, you know, some I would prefer moms breastfeed for two years. So, uh, you know, that's two years of of um, the, your, your ability to play around with your eating strategies and a lot of moms want to lose their, you know, their baby weight and, and they want to do it in a way that's helpful. Um, so I think breastfeeding is a little bit different. But again, I wouldn't be chasing these these high ketone numbers. I would base it more on a what I not just ketogenic and ketosis, but I would I would use the term keto to describe a way that of eating that is more based on nutrient dense foods and eliminating 
the crap. Again, eliminating the sugars and the refined carbs. And you'll find it's very easy to get down to, again, 100, 110 grams of carbs a day. Nobody needs more than that. And most women, even if they're eating well, um, would have a heart would have a tough time getting that much uh, that that amount of carbohydrates um, if they're eating healthy fats. And again, if you're if you're building, uh, you know, if, certainly if you're pregnant, the uh, your choice of fats is really critical. So you definitely don't want to be taking in these these um, uh, franken fats that are found in in the canola and the corn oil and the in the soybean oil. You want to be getting as many of the um, monounsaturated fats as possible. Um, I'm not, you know, I used to be of the mindset that it didn't matter how much saturated fat you get. I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm taking a a little bit more cautious stance on that and saying, you know, you, because in this keto world, people tend to go overboard on saturated fat too. It's like, ah, all saturated fat is great. The more the merrier. And I'm like, no, you know, pick, first of all, you don't need to force yourself to eat you know, ba- like you say, bacon cheeseburgers all the time just because you're keto and that's the that's what you like to eat and that's a good source of 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 fat with quotes around it. You need to kind of be um, judicious about your intake of fats, and that's one of the reasons that we chose avocado oil as the basis for all of our products. It's probably the the, the healthiest of all those fats that we can consume uh, in in larger quantities, uh, and that and certainly. Um, uh, Extra virgin of, uh, olive oil would be would fall in that same category, um, but you want to be careful that you don't eat, you know, anything that's got trans fats or um, partially hydrogenated fats and oils because you're building a brain inside you, right? You're you're literally creating the neural tissue for your baby, and you want to give it the best possible raw materials. And the same kind of holds true when you're breastfeeding. You're still there's still a lot of brain development that's going on there, and so you want to. You want to provide the best possible raw materials for that child and at the same time want to give yourself that um, opportunity to stay energetic and sleep through the night, um, become good at burning off your own stored body fat. And you don't need to be keto or you don't need to be in ketosis to burn off stored body fat. I mean, Lord knows I've got millions of viewers and readers and hundreds of thousands of user experiences where people drop their carb their daily carb intake from three, 350 grams a day down to 100, 120 and lost 75 or 115 pounds over a year. So you don't need to be in ketosis to be a fat burner. Um, the reason to get into ketosis is probably because you're just looking for sort of the next level of uh, brain function, the next level of body fat burning, the next level of maybe even athletic performance. I mean, I was I was low-carb primal for 15 years, Katie, and it served me well. And it's like I didn't need to do anything. I mean, up until two years ago, you know, there's enough naked pictures of me on the internet. So you saw saw that my body fat was, you know, pretty pretty okay for a guy my age. But a couple of years ago, I just thought, you know, I'm a I'm an experimenter. I'm an N equals one guy. I've been reading other people's blogs about keto. I'm going to look into it. I think, you know, I'm I'm always looking for the, sort of the next level of performance and seeing if there's something else out there. And so I I did my 90 day keto experiment, and it was compelling. I didn't need to do it. I didn't, you know, but I just because of in the interest of science, I did it, and it was kind of mind boggling. I I actually lost more body fat. I get I put on a little bit more muscle. 
which was sort of counterintuitive. Um, I, I slept better. I got more – I think my brain accomplished more while sleeping on fewer hours because of the ketones that were being produced. Uh, so there was definitely – it's what we call next level shit in, in my world. We call it – you know, could have stayed there, but I was interested in, in the next level of performance – but you know it was so so that's what got me interested in keto in the first place was nobody has to do keto but because we're wired to benefit from it uh then why not why not you know sp spend some time doing it and that's why even in my keto reset book I don't suggest you live your life in ketosis or live your life you know 100% keto I'm suggesting that you do a keto reset to 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 create metabolic efficiency, to, to kind of fine tune your metabolism once a year for six weeks, you know, and that's kind of how I do it. So I, I'm, like I say, I'm in that keto zone. Some days I'm 30 grams of, pro, of uh, carbohydrate, some days I'm 130. Doesn't matter to me. I feel the same on both days. And that's the beauty of it. Yeah, that's awesome. And I have to ask too, I'm actually going to ask something I probably would not ask a woman, which is if you share your age, and I'm going to share a picture of you in the show notes. And I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you what your best tips are for keeping that youth as you age, because you and your wife both, I feel like are in such amazing shape and your skin is gorgeous. And I know that aging is a big concern for a lot of people. So I'm really curious to hear your tips on that. Well, so I just turned 65 last week. And that's just the scariest of all, you know, turning 21 was great. Turning 30, no big deal. Turning 40 is like, oh, geez, 40. That's, that's, that's. 50 was nothing. 60 was nothing. 65 is like, oh, my God. Now it's like retirement age and, you know, all this, all of the – do you know that when they started Social Security, the, um, it was contemplated that people who retired at 65 would only live three more years <laughs> and that's why the money would never run out, right? So it's like uh, here I am. Now I'm one. Now I'm, now I'm there. But first of all, you got to think young. That is – the attitude is the most important thing to me. I went last night. I played um, in a league, in a Frisbee league here in Miami. We played uh, three games from uh, 8 p.m. till 10 p.m. under the lights. Um, the next oldest guy on the field was 55, 10 years younger than me. And then below him, the next oldest guy I think was like 45 and it was all 20-somethings and 30-somethings. And you know, knock wood, I could pretty much keep up with those kids um, sprinting up and down the field and jumping and, you know, changing direction. So it's my choice to hang out with with people. I mean, if I hung out with no offense to to listeners who are my age, but if I hung out with people my age, I don't think I'd you know, it's just not a it's generally not a pretty picture. So I, I hang out with really young people who are always forcing me to be on my game, who are challenging me mentally. Uh, you know, I, I have, um, you know, my employees are, you know, they're just typically in the, in the, in that age, that sweet spot of age where they're at the prime of their careers. They keep me challenged. Um, I have 75 employees now. It's crazy. Um, and, um, that's literally point number one. Point number two is 80% of your body composition happens as how you, as, as a result of how you eat. And, and that gets back to this basis of this entire interview, which is how you choose to eat, the way of eating. And whether it's primal uh, or paleo or keto, um, I've done a really good job of dialing in my eating. You know, some people uh, go through life and they know how to make a lot of money and they don't, don't know anything about health. And they would give all their money to be healthy. And then there's other people who know a lot about health and have no money, right? And the, everything they do, they're great and they're healthy, but and they and they 
but they have no money. And it's like I'm one of those people who I finally figured out how to make a good living. Um, and I've had my health dialed in, really dialed in for a long time. So that's one thing I haven't really thought about um, is, you know, what it takes to, you know, do I have to think about um, how I move and how I exercise and how I eat and how I sleep? I've spent so much of my life dialing it in the right way. And the experiment has proven to be one that manifests, you know, a fairly strong, lean, fit, healthy body. So I, what I want then, my dream, is to be able to impart that sort of intuitive knowledge to my readers. And that's really been the essence of Mark's Daily Apple is I want to take the information that I've gleaned over the 35 years I've been doing research and distill it to uh, an understandable way that people can, can then take it on, um, employ the strategies and techniques. And ultimately, my goal is for you to graduate to the point of where you are an intuitive eater, that you don't have to think, oh my God, what would Katie say? Or what would Mark say about the choices on this menu? You just do it. You just eat. And if it's if it doesn't serve you in the moment, there's no guilt, there's no regret because you know that you're you're you know you're just going to pick up where you left off on the next set of options and the next set of choices. So to go back to my list, number one is attitude, uh, think young, and number two is eighty uh, percent of of uh, how you of your body composition is determined by how you eat, and then probably number three on that sort of anti aging strategy is is the three movement patterns that I describe in. Um, the primal blueprint. One is move around a lot at a low level of activity. So I'm constantly moving. I don't track heart rates or anything like that. I'm just constantly on the move, putting my body through different range, ranges of motion and planes of activity. And what we see now is, you know, there are a lot of societies where you have 80 and 90 year old people out in the park, particularly in Asia, you know, doing Qigong and doing Tai Chi, these slow movements, but they put them, they, they're waving their arms slowly around their bodies and, and sweeping around, uh, you know, and brushing the feet with their, with their hands and leaning over. This is the kind of movement I'm talking about. The body wants you to move a lot at a low level of aerobic activity. So mobility is huge. And then I go to the gym twice a week and I do a full body routine. It's nothing, you know, nothing to write home about. I mostly work out to, to not get injured when I'm playing because I try to do most of my, most of my activity that's, that's, uh, that's of a higher heart rate is what I call play. So between the ultimate frisbee games that I have and the stand-up paddling that I love to do here in Miami and then in Malibu when I'm in Malibu. Um, I want to be strong enough to be able to do those for an hour, hour and a half and you know, and not have it gas me for the day. So there's the, the move around a lot at a low level, um, lift heavy things once, twice a week and then sprint once a week. And for me, what I did last night, the, uh, the game that I played uh, or the three games I played on the, on the, um, ultimate frisbee field that was sprinting so i sprint once a week and i think that everyone should sprint once a week and whether you're you know if you have bad knees you say well i can't i can't run on the track or i can't run on the beach or whatever you can do it on in the gym on a bike or on a on a on a elliptical trainer or you can do it on a versa climber you can do it on a rowing machine but get your you know go like max effort 20 or 30 seconds and then rest 2 minutes and then do it again 20 or 30 seconds and rest 2 minutes and do that for to eight times once a week. Uh, and those are the three sort of movement patterns. So anyway, that's, those are my sort of three, uh, key elements to, um, to longevity.
I'd also love to hear your take on finding balance and stillness in in life because you mentioned you have 75 employees. You're also a parent. You run a company, you run a blog, um, you just wrote a book. And yet every time I've talked to you, you seem like pretty zen and calm and that you've like found stillness in your life. So I'm curious if you have any tips on that. Well, interesting. You're right. It is missing for a lot of people. And, and I, and I do think that it's something that comes, comes with, uh, with age, with time, uh, and experience. Let's say experience more than the other two. <laughs> um, because, uh, you know, it's, it's, I think it's also a part of, uh, enjoying what you do. You know, if you don't enjoy what you do, then it's really difficult to find that calmness and that stillness. And, uh, you know, you're sort of always, um, you know, on the edge. Uh, I just, this weekend, I just hosted a two-day masterclass uh, of our primal health coach program. So that's another business that I have, is I have several thousand primal health coaches. And uh, so from Friday afternoon, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, uh, I was holding court with uh, my other coach, uh, Christine Hassler, we're the coaches coach. And we had coaches come in from around the world to do an intensive um, uh, workshop on not just advanced coaching techniques, but business building and marketing and things like that. Um, and, you know, it was one of those things where as I went into the weekend, I'm like a little bit concerned about, I mean, uh, you know, the amount of time it's going to take, the amount of energy it's going to take. And as the, the, the second I hit the the, uh, the workshop the first morning, it's like, wow, this is going to be so cool. And, and it's just the attitude going in and enjoying the moment uh, and, and being – uh, peaceful in the moment, even though there's work to be done, that again is sort of a. I'm going to say it's in my case it was a learned behavior because I wasn't always this way. I was always sort of the, you know, the, the frantic one that worried in advance and fretted about stuff and couldn't find, um, you know, the peace and was thinking about it was distracted in in times that I should have been um, just enjoying the moment. Um, so I have to, I sort of have to say that I, I think I learned that over time and with experience. Um, I, I wish I could give that to, to other people, but uh, I'm not sure that there's, there's any sort of advice. You're either kind of born with it or it's something that if you recognize and you are able to tap into it, um, then it's, maybe it's, a, it's an awareness thing. You know, if you're aware of it and you can kind of... Maybe you know I, I hesitate to use the word work on it because it's actually the opposite of what you need to do, right? I mean, if you're aware of something, it's like it's like meditating. You know, awareness is is part of it, and then come back into the present. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's you know, we are. My wife has been doing a lot of work with this group called the Three Principles, and they really talk a lot about how we all have innate well-being, uh, and it's just it's just part of our who we are. We are. We are okay. We're all, we're all great. And all we do is screw it up with our thoughts, right? We always just kind of take what's happening to us or certain events in our past or certain things that are currently going on, or maybe it's a discussion with our spouse or our children. And we inflate it into something that so completely might ruin our day. And yet it doesn't have to be that way. It's really how your, how your, how your mind reacts to it and, and processes what's going on that allows you to be at peace and have what we call well-being on a regular basis. Because truly well-being doesn't even depend on your, you know, how physically healthy you are. You could be quite sick and still have 
if your if your brain is is you know at peace and okay with that, you can you can have well being. So it's um, I don't know. I didn't, I don't know if I answered your question, Katie, but uh, <laughs> that's kind of where I I went with it. No, I think that's excellent food for thought. Um, and I think you're so right about that about well being and keeping that in perspective, because I think of two um, segments of the population that I've had the joy to work with over time. And one in high school, I used to volunteer at nursing homes. And I would talk to people who were a lot of times very ill and even facing death. But so many of them had a sense of well-being and peace and happiness that I have very rarely seen since then. And the other group was, um, I worked with a a summer camp for children who had some kind of struggles, uh, physical limitations or disabilities of of certain kinds that made it difficult for them to do things. And again, they were the most joyful. I would say they have the highest sense of well-being of anyone I've ever met. Just their outlook on life and everything was so, so inspiring. And so I think you're right that that's a, a distinction we have to make and a choice we get to make that doesn't have to be work. It's the opposite. And I love that you framed it like that. This podcast is sponsored by Furo Health, a leading provider of cold plunge tubs, including the one that I bought and have in my home. Don't get me wrong, I am not a fan of being cold. So why sit around in cold water? Well, for one thing, athletes have been using cold for recovery for years, and I recently decided that it would be a good idea to get back into powerlifting and running. But this tub is amazing. It was super easy to install because it plugs into a regular electrical outlet. It can be installed anywhere and it keeps water consistently between 42 and 58 degrees without needing ice or filling. And while I originally started cold therapy for the physical benefits, I absolutely love the cognitive and mood benefits. I've noticed that I'm much more focused and productive on days when I get cold and often happier too. If you've ever jumped into cold water and spontaneously laughed, this is likely from the release of mood-boosting neurotransmitters that cold exposure stimulates. You can check out the tub that I got and that I use daily by going to furohealth.com. That's F-U-R-O health.com. This podcast is brought to you by Thrive Market. You already know that I love them for so many reasons, but as we get close to the holidays and all of the cooking and celebrations that go with it, Thrive makes my life so much easier. We almost always have company for pretty much every holiday, so I pre-plan my meals and I order all the bulk and non-perishable ingredients that I'll need from Thrive, so that way I have them on hand when I need them. Their Thrive Market brand line has all of the staples I need at much better prices than I can find locally, and they make sure I'm always prepared to host a crowd. Here's a tip. I keep a bunch of their almond flour, pumpkin puree, and cinnamon on hand, so if we get invited to a holiday dinner or event, I can whip up a pumpkin pie in an hour or less and have it to take with us. You can check out those supplies and everything else they have and save 25% on your first order by going to thrivemarket.com forward slash Katie. So thrivemarket.com forward slash K-A-T-I-E. And also, as we get toward the end, a question I love to ask is if there was advice that you could pass on to anyone, um, what would it be and why? You'll at least be able to pass it on to a couple hundred thousand people listening to this. But um, I know you, you spread so much advice in your, during your career and through your blog, but I'm curious if there's any advice that's top of the list. One thing uh, that I use as kind of, there was two things that I use as sort of a litmus test. When something um, bad appears to, uh, to be happening or is about to happen is, um, is I ask myself, what's the worst that can happen? if that happened, 
And typically, if you go down that path, it's, it's, it's all not that, it's really not that bad. You know, what's the worst that could happen? And the other is sort of a, a you know, an old Zen flame. This too shall pass. So there are times in our lives when we think, this is it. This is, this is the low point. This is, you know, my life is terrible. I'm, I'm in debt. I've got, you know, struggles. I've got relationship issues or whatever. Um, to just, to have, and we get back to well-being, to have that sense that it's going to be okay, that, that this too shall pass, that I will get past this, and uh, life at its essence is awesome, and it's up to me to extract uh, the greatest amount of pleasure uh, and joy and fulfillment and contentment from every moment possible that I can, because that's really all we have is the present moment. So to not dwell in the past, to not rue what you could have done, should have done, could have said, um, wish you hadn't said, but to, you know, to, to, to live in the present moment, to enjoy the present moment and to, uh, you know, and if there is something that is, you know, that appears insurmountable, um, to, to actually have that kind of mantra, this too shall pass. I'll, I will get through this and it will be, you know, it'll be fine on the other side. Yeah, that's awesome. And lastly, is there a book besides your own that will be linked in the show notes, of course, but is there a book that's had a big impact on your life that you would recommend? I'm always looking for new books to add to the list. You know, it's funny because people have asked me that, a book that affected my life, and there have been a number. Um, I cannot not say that The Primal Blueprint most affected my life because when I wrote it, I was about ready to retire. And the the sort of the traction that it had and the movement that it created literally brought me out of retirement and created um the you know the primal health coach program created the the food the whole food thing uh you know created a number of other things that that basically gave me an an entirely new outlook on life and on business and on what my contribution uh to the world could be so i can't i can't not say that the primal blueprint affected me more than any other book. So having said that, um, Ken Kesey, who was a writer in the seventies, uh, wrote, he, um, he was most famous for one flow of the cuckoo's nest, but he wrote a book called, uh, sometimes a great notion, once a great notion. And I think it's a great American novel. And it really, it really speaks to the resiliency of people in general, but, but Americans in, in particular. And, um, it was always, I always felt like I was um, that the, 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 one of the protagonists in there, who, by the way, was played in the movie uh, by Paul Newman. So there's that, too. Uh, I was like Paul Newman. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's either sometimes a great notion, and often it's been translated as once a great notion, but it's by Ken Kesey. And I, it's, I think it's an awesome book and, and highly worth reading. It's a novel, and it's very entertaining, as well as uh, having these the subtext that uh, – Ken Kesey was so known for. Awesome. I'll check that one out too. And what's what's next for Primal Kitchen? What can we expect in the next few months or a year from you guys? Well, you know, it's just been such a great whirlwind. We now have 11 flavors of salad dressing. So we just, we just launched uh, sesame ginger because I happen to love Chinese chicken salad. Um, and the sesame ginger is also a great marinade. Uh, we launched, uh, you know, we have a vegan ranch to go along with our non-dairy ranch. Um, we launched, um, uh, a, um, a lemon turmeric that I'm, I've been seeing around town. I go to restaurants now 
uh, and I order their salads, but I don't order their dressing because I don't trust any restaurant's salad dressing anymore. So I get the best of both worlds. I get this beautiful, colorful salad at a restaurant that I like, that I, I like their, the ambiance or whatever. I, I ask for it without dressing and then I bring my own dressing. Yes, I am that guy. Um, so there's that. Then we introduce the garlic aioli mayo. Um, now for, for the next month, uh, Whole Foods has an exclusive on the organic unsweetened ketchup. And I know you've tried it, Katie, and it's just, that's like one of the, one of my more, um, I, look, I, I love all my products, right? But that thing, that, I think we nailed it with that. Tell me if I'm wrong. You've tried it, right? Yeah, it's so good. Even my kids all love it. Like it's a six for six for them. They all love it. Perfect. Uh, so we have the, uh, the ketchup and the, and the mustard, the spicy mustard. Um, we've, we've got some cooking sauces coming out, uh, first quarter of next year. Um, some amazing, uh, cooking sauces. Again, we're taking this concept of, uh, preparing real food and then, uh, enhancing it with flavorful sauces that you can just literally heat up or even don't even have to heat up, just pour on, uh, that not only impart awesome taste, but impart, uh, uh, healthfulness and functionality to them. So we have some cooking sauces. We have some barbecue sauces, a Carolina gold barbecue sauce. Regular, uh, you know, sort of standard barbecue sauce. Um, we've got, <laughs> we've got four new bars coming out that are, uh, spectacular. They're basically keto bars. We're not calling them keto bars. We're calling them protein bars, but they're keto bars. They're, they'll fit anyone's keto macros and they taste spectacular. So I'm very excited about that. And of course we have our regular, uh, we kind of reformulated our collagen bars. Uh, and then uh, there's probably, you know, six other things that are in the pipeline that, that, um, you know, are going to come out within a year. Uh, so we're so excited. We're in about 9,000 stores now with, uh, with the Primal Kitchen, uh, things. We're in some of the Costco's, as some people have seen. We're, we've got the mayo in some Costco's, the Greek dressing in other Costco's. And, um, we're just having so much fun changing the way the world eats. I love it. And I love all the products. And it's always so much fun to catch up with you and chat and hear all the new updates. And I really appreciate you spending the time and being here. I know how busy you are. And it really means a lot that you took the time to be here today. It's my pleasure as always, Katie. And thanks to all of you guys for listening. And I hope to see you again next time on the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time and thanks as always for listening.